So I had women to lean on and they were all players' wives and coaches' wives that really created my community. So without those relationships, I'm not sure what I would have done. And I will, you know, go to my grave saying this, I fully, fully support a player and wife friendship. And I think it's possible. um, And I think it's valuable. I don't think it has to happen. If it makes you uncomfortable, you know, don't participate in it. However, I am big in inclusion and like, what does it hurt to just include somebody? I think like in the back of your head, you have like the, well, what if, and what are they going to think? And you have these negative thoughts, but at the end of the day, we're all just people. We're all just human beings going through this experience, the shared experience together. And I think when you approach it like that, like these are just women, these are just people that are experiencing the same thing. It creates a community. And I think it's just, it's very, very important. You're listening to Breaking the Ice Podcast, a podcast that I created in 2020 to connect women within the hockey world. My name's Devin Dodero, my husband's Charlie Dodero, and we've played literally all over the world. We have two kids, two dogs, and let's just say hockey has taken my world by storm. What I've learned is that this community and these experiences are very specific, and you should not have to go through this alone. Through this podcast, I share the tools, resources, do's, don'ts, and what's helped me along the way while continuing to learn from each and every one of you. So lace them up and tune in for episodes twice a month and make sure to follow the page on Instagram at breaking the ice pod. What's up you guys. It is a new week, a new day. We are back with a new episode and I am happy to be here. Last episode was with my friend Dana and we were both talking about how we did not have a contract yet, but a lot has happened in the last month and now both of our husbands have signed and there's kind of been a lot going on. I've been solo parenting for a few weeks, kind of have come to terms with a lot of stuff and I have made the decision to go move out to be with my husband for the rest of the hockey season. So it was a lot to get to that point, but, you know, we ultimately would like to all be together as a family and, you know, I'm trying to look at it as kind of like an extended trip versus a move um, because it's been just kind of a rough year for me. So I was like really nervous about having to go back overseas and go through all of the learning curves and a new country, but at the end of the day, um, you know, he signed in a really good city. And so I am looking forward to being out there, hitting up some Christmas markets and really just getting that kind of closure, I guess, and experience that we're going to have. So we are leaving on, me and the kids are leaving on the 16th of December And it actually worked out nicely because my mother-in-law is going to come out here and um, my my husband's from Chicago. So we're going to she's going to fly to Chicago with me. I'm going to stay the night with the kids at her house. And then the next day I'm going to fly out to Vienna, which my husband's younger brother, Chris, he actually plays in Germany and his girlfriend and him are long distance and so she is going to fly with me out to Europe because she's going out to visit him. So it actually worked out perfectly. 
Um, and then once we land, then she'll have to get on another flight and head over to Munich and then he'll pick her up. But for me, it was kind of annoying because I ideally I wanted to fly into Munich because then I could have just one quick short flight left. But because I have my dog with me, um, we were unable to make that happen. There was just too many unknowns and not a straightforward answer of whether this was possible for us to do. And I didn't want to run into any complications. So my husband's going to pick us up and then we have like a four hour drive. So that is not going to be the best. <laughs> um, but I think my kids will hopefully be sleeping most of that car ride and I'm putting headphones in and passing the baton. So have a, have fun with that. I'm off the clock. <laughs> For those that listen to my episode, like, gosh, I want to say, who knows? It was a while ago and I was talking about my postpartum OCD, which has gotten a lot better. However, it is still there. I still have a lot of the same thoughts and feelings. Um, it's definitely gotten better, but it kind of comes and goes. And to be honest, it kind of amplifies during certain parts of my cycle, which is interesting. I've just noticed a pattern of like right before I'm about to start my period, I get very anxious about like the same stuff, um, very irritable and just my luck. I'm flying the week before my period. So please send all of the, you know, fairy dust to me because uh, I need to try to be a little bit better at taking inconveniences, which as we know with the travel days are probably high, um, with a little bit more patience with myself. So anyways, why I'm mentioning this is because I was talking to my therapist. I go to therapy weekly and I was like, I just feel like these travel days suck the life out of me. And especially because I'm doing this alone, like I feel bad because obviously I'm probably going to be in shambles when I arrive and I don't want to just go straight into irritation mode when I land and see my husband because we're obviously looking forward to seeing him, but I'm like, I just, I feel like there's no time for us moms to like regroup after those travel days. So it's really hard for me because I feel like I get there and then I'm instantly, you know, we're getting there eight in the morning. So like everybody's going to be tired, jet lagged, you know, hanging by a thread essentially. Then the night wake ups, then him leaving for prep. Like I just, am like, I'm going to be so drained. And she was like, I feel like you need to ask yourself like what you need and just clearly communicate that to him. And so I was thinking about it and I was like, I need to have alone time like the next day. So I told him, I'm like, I would love it if you would just book me a massage somewhere the next day at like some nice spa so I can just go for like a couple hours, sit in the sauna, just relax and just be away from everyone and not have anyone talk to me or need anything from me. And he was like, done. So that is something that I am doing to essentially be proactive in my tendency to just be so irritated amongst all of these changes happening. Granted, it's a lot and you're allowed to be irritated, but I'm like, how can I help myself? Because I don't want to feel like that. Like, I want to just try to go into this with more of a positive mindset. So I think that is going to help. So just sharing that if anybody is 
wanting some little tips to, you know, help your travel day as well. Anyways, enough about me. I need to do a full solo episode soon, but this is not the time. We have a long episode for you today, so I'm just going to get right into it. Um, Today on the podcast, I have Megan McIlvain joining me, and Megan's husband is the head coach for the San Diego Goals. Um, We've chatted back and forth over Instagram for a couple years now. Um, We were playing in the same league for a long time, as her husband was the head coach in Salzburg. Um, and she is super great and just the person that I wanted to have on for this coach's wife episode. Um, she is an open book and she is just very transparent, honest about everything that she feels about coach's wife and player's wife's relationship. So we really get into that because that's been such a hot topic this year on Sunday check-ins. So I really feel like people are going to appreciate this episode. Um, Megan also, when she first met her husband, um, she was really in a career that she was super passionate about that she wound up leaving to, um, follow him around the world. So we talk about that and it was just a really fun, lighthearted conversation. It was just one of those episodes that I left feeling like, okay, I feel like I've known her forever and it was just fun and a great episode. So if you're listening today, Obviously, the best way you can support is to share the episode to your story. And I just like to see where you guys are listening from, honestly. I love when I see, like, listening from Norway, listening from Canada. It's great. So enjoy this episode. (laughs) Well, perfect. I like open books, and I'm the same way. I'm like, that person that I meet someone new and I, then I go home and I'm like, Oh my God, I think I like told them way too much information about myself. Like that was a lot like, like overanalyzed for a little bit. Like, Oh God, that exactly. I shouldn't have told that story. Exactly. Yeah. I, I do want to say, I am so jealous you're in San Diego, like just seeing your yeah. post. Cause that's where you guys met, right? No, I'm from there. I grew from up there. San Di- so where yeah. in San Diego are you from? Um, so I grew up in Encinitas, which is North County. Okay. Yes. Well, so my son's in um, travel hockey. So now I feel like I know all of Southern California at this point. So yes, I know Encinitas. I know all the areas with the hockey rings. Um, it is a magical place to live. Yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like you could not have, I mean, you were in Salzburg, which is like pretty amazing. But San Diego, I mean, that's like, I think everybody can say that if they could live there, they would live there, you know? It's like, you know, there's times where I'm like, oh, it's so expensive. But then literally every day when I walk the kids to school, it's like sunshine, birds chirping, flowers (laughs) are blooming, you know, the thing, honestly, for me, and you'll understand this, I never, ever have to put gloves on my children, (laughs) ever, (laughs) ever. They wear shorts tennis shoes, t-shirt, and they're out the door. And it's like in Salzburg, it's like boots. And now you need your like um, rubber pants and you need your gloves and you need your cat. And it's like, I don't ever have to do that. Worth it. Like, (laughs) I know it does. It does get a little bit chilly, like in the winter time in the mornings, but then like maybe like mid fifties or something. But when you're from a cold area, you're like, this is such a, yeah. Like I'm in a short sleeve at this point. Yeah. Yeah, I made Mason wear sweatpants to school yesterday because it was a little chilly in the morning and like it looked like it was rainy. 
And when I picked him up, he was so mad at me. He was like, <laughs> I was so hot all day. Like, I was like, okay. You're like, I'm just trying to be prepared. You never know. I just, you know, I don't know. Okay. Anyway, yeah, San Diego is beautiful. I have my little San Diego mug. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's going to be hard if you like, do you, are you just on a one year contract right now there? No, no, we're here for, well, you know, hockey life, you never know what could happen, but we're here for a couple of years. So, oh, perfect. um, yeah, we, at least that was kind of, you know, that doesn't happen very often in coaching life, but we were lucky with this contract and they're definitely this organization's trying to plan for the future. It's like, they're thinking it's not like a one year at a time. They're thinking like five years ahead, you know? So that's kind of exciting. Um, yeah. So we feel like we can enjoy it a little bit, which is nice. So will you guys stay there in the summer? We're not going to just because, so we, um, rented an Airbnb actually. And like part of the caveat for the Airbnb was like, we'll stay here for the hockey season. And then we'll go back to our, our summer home outside of Chicago. And then you can rent this, like, we'll move all of our stuff out and you can like Airbnb it in the summer and probably make, you know, double what I'm paying. Um, and that's like the touristy season. Right. So, you know, our person that owns a house kind of, it's like a win-win for everybody. Um, and then it saves us the rent. Like, so then we don't have to pay the rent because it is astronomical. (laughs) Right. And you guys own a home in Illinois. We do. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where in Illinois? In the middle of nowhere. Um, I have to tell people. (laughs) I tell people like Chicago, just because from living in Europe, you're like, oh, I'm from Chicago. And then somebody's actually from Chicago and they're like, what neighborhood? And I'm yeah. like, oh, no, 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 Matt actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, that's the closest airport. Yeah. Um, so Matt's from Naperville, which is right outside Chicago. That's like an actual legit suburb of Chicago. But I'm from a teeny tiny town about an hour south of the city in the middle of a cornfield um, called Coal City. Because okay. there once upon a time. So that's where our house is. Um, that's where like all of our, you know, friend group and both of our parents are close ish. So right. yeah. Yeah. That's the reason I ask is Charlie's from Illinois. He's from Chicago too. Okay. So yeah, he grew up in Bloomingdale. Well, no, yeah, he grew up okay, in, so like, that's a suburb. Yeah. So well, he actually grew up in the city till he was like eleven or something. And wow. then he they moved to Bloomingdale and then now his parents live in West Chicago. So what birth year is he? Ninety-two. Okay. So yeah, he's younger than like much younger than Matt, seven years. Yeah. I was like, I wonder if they ever like played together or anything, but the hockey world's so small. So small. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I need like the full backstory. So I want to hear, I want to learn all about your like hockey journey, how you met your husband and like, just basically catch us up to speed to like where you are now. And this is such a hot topic. I feel like people always want to hear about this. And I'm so excited that you're here just getting into all of these things that we're going to dive into. But first I want to hear your yes. story. So, so I feel like the hockey journey story, it's like after you have a baby and everyone's like, what's your birth story? You know, like everyone's just so different. <laughs> like this is the hockey journey story. <laughs> um, I actually got into hockey before I met Matt. So my um, degree, I was always a sports fan growing up. And I went to school for sports marketing. So my kind of dream job, I wanted to work in sports. So I was graduating and I didn't have a job. And um, there was a minor league hockey team in the town I went to school in. And they had a job opening. So I took it um, selling tickets. So I was doing their ticket sales in their front office. And then they also needed an on-ice MC for their like ice girls. 
um, the problem is I can't skate. So I was like, I can do it, but I can't skate. Like, give me a microphone, you know, but I can't skate. <laughs> so uh, they hired me to be their on ice MC. And then I was working full time in the office. Um, Matt happened to be rehabbing at this team because he had gotten injured playing overseas the year before. And he just kind of had an opportunity with this team. So he was there. That's how we initially met. Um, from there, I, there was an, an AHL team, kind of the next town over, and they had kind of recruited me to go to their team and be their on ice MC and work in their front office. You know, AHL was better money. It was bigger arenas. So I was like, sure, I'm young. Like I'll take any opportunity I can get. So I moved to that team, the Peoria Riverman. Um, and about the same week I moved over there, Matt got called up to the Riverman. And so it was kind of cool because I didn't know anybody else there, but I was like, Hey, remember me? Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. I was that girl from Bloomington. So it was nice. We kind of knew each other and there were times when we needed players to do community appearances. And I feel like in the AHL, sometimes that's a little challenging because these guys are so close, right? They're so close to the NHL. They don't want to mess around with stuff like that, which I totally understand. And they're kind of intimidating, but I knew Matt. So I was like, Hey Matt, like, can you come yeah. do this hospital visit? Like can you come <laughs> do this player appearance? He's like, Oh, this cute girl in the office keeps asking <laughs> me to like do all this community service, I guess. <laughs> no. And truly it was so platonic at that point. And, um, I just, I would, I was able to observe him in these really organic situations where, you know, he's at, at the hospital and, and sometimes those appearances can get so uncomfortable, right? Like I understand that it's not everybody's jam. Like it can be an uncomfortable thing. Um, but he was so good with the kids and he was so good with the people. And like, it was really cool getting to like, that's kind of how we built our friendship. Um, and so then after that season, what I really wanted to do was work in baseball. And after that season, the baseball team in town had offered me a job to run their game entertainment, their game ops. That was like my dream job. So I quit the hockey team. I moved to the baseball team. And when I officially wasn't working full time for the hockey team, Matt was like, okay, so now can we like go on, on a date? Oh, <laughs> and so I was like, sure. Yeah. Um, it's funny. We actually have a picture of us. Somebody took that from the very first job, I used to interview the guys during intermission. And there's a picture of me interviewing him. And like the way he's looking at me is people are like, oh, that's so cute. And I was so oblivious. I was like, career, career, career. I want nothing to do with the guys. Um, but anyway, we have that picture framed. I'll have to send that to you. Yes. Um, I feel, so and I know not to interrupt you, but I feel oh, like that's like really respectable too. And shows a lot that he like genuinely was like interested in you like he wasn't just looking for a hookup because I feel like in those minor league teams like a lot of those guys are like the single guys which like why would you not like there's cute <laughs> girls working around the team it's like yeah like quick hookup or whatever but he like waited till you left and like yeah and same with you like you guys didn't cross that boundary and like no, we were legitimate like friends like we went to I remember one time I went to church and he was like at the same church so we like went to church together um, you know, it was really very innocent, um, until, you know, I left and then it was kind of, it became more, which was nice, but <laughs> I do remember telling the story for the first time around my first group of, um, players wives in Munich. And one of the, one of the girls was like, you were that girl, you were the ice girl that I was always worried about. And I was like, yeah. I'm sorry, like, <laughs> don't hate me. Um, 
so anyway, from there, from Peoria, we dated, you know, he um, got different contracts and we did long distance pretty quickly after Peoria. Um, and he had some injuries pretty early on and he knew, you know, what it wasn't going to be worth it. Right. Like he kind of knew where he was at and the injuries he was sustaining, it was not going to be worth it in the long run for him to keep playing. So he retired pretty young. I think he was 26 when he re- officially retired from playing and uh, went through that awkward transition that you guys speak about a lot, which I think is so, so important to talk about that transition from player to you know retirement. I think that is just such an important thing to continue to discuss because it was hard. You know, you're 26 and you think you're playing until you're 36. And then all of a sudden you have no idea what to do with your life. Totally. Uh, yeah, it was rough. And here I am, you know, just like I'm, I'm new to this. Right. So I don't really know. Um, went through a tough transition. He threw out about 30 different ideas of what he was going to do. He was going to be like a chiropractor and then he was going to be a teacher and then he was going to, you know, he was going to be in sales and it was hilarious. But um randomly a a coaching job opened up in Danville, Illinois in the middle of the season, which is rare, um, in this league. And, you know, they asked him if he wanted to come be a coach and it was in the federal hockey league, which I'm not even sure exists anymore. It might don't hold me to that. I've never heard of that, but Uh yeah, yeah. It's, it's his story is very interesting. He talks about it on podcast too. So I won't go too deep into it, but that was his first coaching experience. So from there we bopped around, um, still did long distance. I stayed in my hometown and he coached in Danville. Then he coached in um, Orlando. And then finally he got a job um, working for the Chicago Steel. And that was going to be like the first time we were in the same state in like three seasons. Um, and right about uh, probably a couple weeks before he was going to start the Chicago job, um, a guy named Don Jackson called him and was like, hey, Matt, I need an assistant coach and with Red Bull, do you want to come coach with me? And if you know anything about Don Jackson, he's like, that's who you want to coach with, right? He's one the winningest coach of all time in European hockey. He's won like eight championships. Um, I have the chills. That's like, I mean, I don't know who that is. Yeah, no, it's okay. But if it's like taboo, I don't know who that is, but like, that's if that's a huge deal. Like that's so he, yeah, he coached Matt in Berlin and they have a, a mutual friend. Matt's trainer is a, a friend of Don. So they kind of had some connections. But as a young coach, when someone like that calls you and says, Hey, I want you, I want to mentor you. Yeah, yeah you go. So then he calls me and is like, Hey, remember how I was going to be in Chicago this year? Well, now I'm going to be living in Europe. So <laughs> is that cool with you? And I was like, I guess, sure. You know, gave him the green light. Um, we were still just dating at this point and it happened very quickly. Like training camp had already started. Like he needed a coach, you know, yesterday. So it was like five days and he was leaving. Um, he proposed the day before he left. (laughs) Oh my God. Proposes last night. And my brother always says, he's like, Matt is the smartest man. I know he proposed and then he left the country. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. That is. Yeah. I was going to ask you, did you feel like there was a sense of, okay, we've been doing long distance for so long, like kind of needed some sort of like, yeah. Ring on my finger. So that like, not, I mean, it is a symbol of like commitment. Like, it's like, do you, did you think like that? Or were you kind of like, it's fine. You know? Um, I was, always supportive because I I knew how good of a coach he was. And I knew a, a good opportunity when I saw it. I understood that. 
Um, I think I was so disappointed that he wasn't going to be in Chicago and that was really going to be big for our relationship, right? We're finally in the same, you know, we're an hour away from each other at this point. And um, so I think he recognized that. I don't think there was any expectation, um, but it was time. Like it was time. And I think he also recognized like the fact that I was so fully supportive of this opportunity. He was like, okay, this is somebody who's always going to be in my corner, um, and he has said this after the fact that like a normal human being would not be like, okay, go to Europe, like, love you. See you. See you later. <laughs> um, but like the fact that I was so supportive, I think he was like, okay, this is my person. Like we're going to do life together. So cool. yeah. So then he went to Europe. I stayed behind, planned our wedding. We got married, um, moved to Munich. We lived in Munich for five years, uh, had a couple kids lived in Salzburg, um, for four years. That was his first head coaching job was in Salzburg. Um, and then now we are in San Diego. So we went from Peoria and Danville, Illinois to like literally the most beautiful places in the world. <laughs> yeah. Like in Peoria and Danville. I love you. From the bottom. Now we hit, <laughs> not that it's the bottom, but just, yeah, like yeah. that's, I mean, Munich, Salzburg, San Diego, like those are like, if for those that are listening that do not play in Europe. Like Munich and Salzburg, those are like, if you have an opportunity to go to either of those teams, like go, you know, like really? the, I've heard those organizations are just amazing. I've heard nothing but good things. So like, and San Diego too. So like, I mean, that is unbelievable. I, I never expected that. I, going into this life, I was like, we could be in middle of nowhere, Canada. We could be in Russia. Like, there are some places where you just don't know where you're going to end up. And truly we have been so privileged that we get to live in some of the most beautiful places in the world. And it's been awesome. So yeah. that's kind of my journey that's brought us up to here, but yeah. Totally. And I feel like it's nice too, that you have had like a little bit of a chunk of time that you can depend on in each place as a coach's wife, because I feel like that's a struggle for a lot of women from what I've heard is that like, when you are just having like a contract as a coach for a year, it's like the same exact thing as a player's wife yet. So different because you are kind of just standing on your own, but that way you can kind of like invest into like where you are and like really form relationships, like long-term outside of hockey. Truly. And, <clears throat> and that's something that again, we are very fortunate. Um, I anticipated when we, started this life that we would be somewhere new every year. That was kind of the history. You know, he was bopping around from team to team. That was kind of my expectation. And when we signed with Red Bull, it was only one year contract, one year contract, one year contract for several years. Um, you know, and then it was like a two-year deal. And we were like, oh my gosh, like two years. Um, but that was something that I realized how fortunate we are. And it's crazy to think that we were with the Red Bull organization for 10 years, because that just does not, that does not happen. I think that speaks very highly to the leadership that is in place there. Um, it, Don obviously was a huge part of creating that stability for us. And I always like, I am so thankful for that because our, our first year over there, I remember like we were debating buying a Christmas tree. You know, I was, I'm allergic to real trees, so I need a fake tree. Um, don't at me. I love a fake tree, but <laughs> oh my gosh, that's awful. But I remember being like, are we gonna like should we buy one? We don't yeah. know if we're gonna be here. We broke down, bought like a cheap Christmas tree from um V Market, 
And then I remember the other Christmas decorations. I cut out paper snowflakes. I found like <laughs> twigs outside. I, I, I literally made things out of like coffee filters, you know, and, and that was because you didn't know, we didn't know right. if we were going to be here and money. that is a similar, yeah, yeah, it's money. And then, you know, so that's very similar to the play. It is similar to that player's contract life. You really don't know where you're going to be. Um, we were just very fortunate, you know, that it ended up being successful and we had some good people at the top that made that happen. So, yeah. So uh, I feel like even what you're saying too, is like so relatable to like so many people besides even just like the coaching lifestyle that you live, but like you also something I want to touch on is that you left your career to go overseas when you're a very like it sounds like you're very a career oriented person like you have goals you have dreams like this is what you wanted to do you're working your dream job and then you know your partner gets a, a opportunity overseas yes he proposed right before he went but how did you like come to terms with like leaving something that you felt really passionate about that is a good question and it's not a question that gets asked often to women, right? I think we're expected to leave the career. We're the ones that are expected to go with the husbands. Um, But I think it's important to talk about because I was very career oriented. I paid my way through school. I paid those student loans um, and I worked my butt off. I had three internships. I was networking like crazy. I wanted this life and this career. And truly at the very beginning of our relationship, I can remember him telling me these fantasies of like, someday we'll live in Europe and we'll go get like baguettes at the, you know, market and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, cool, buddy. But like, I want to work. So how is this life? You know, and and it very, it almost put an end to our relationship. That was a very big con in the pro con list of dating him. And uh, I remember one of my friends was like, you know, when I was still kind of thinking, should I get serious with this? She was like, put all of that aside, you know? would you date him if none of that was a factor? And the answer was an obvious yes. And she's like, then I think you just kind of have to see where this goes. So fast forward to finally getting married, moving to Europe, leaving the job. And I remember thinking, um, I, I don't think I've, I loved my job, but I don't think I've ever been as passionate about anything in my entire life as he is about coaching hockey. I mean, It is truly a joy to watch him during practices, during games. Um, Even when he's like watching video, he like gets excited when he sees like a pattern, which is so nerdy. Right. And like, (laughs) I really respected the fact that he was so passionate. He truly, truly loves what he does. And I remember thinking like, I'm going to support that because I'm not sure I've ever felt that way about any job I've ever had. And I, I liked my jobs, but it wasn't that kind of all-consuming, true passion. And how rare is that to find something that you really love and you get paid, right? I think that's the ultimate goal. Yeah. And I wanted my kids to see that that was an option. Like you don't have to hate your life. You don't have to hate your job. You can go to work every day and love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that was something that I was just very aware of. Like, I'm going to support you as long as you love it, you know? But the oh. second you start hating it, like, we're Let's done. go work at Amazon <laughs> yeah. and like, go home. Like I'm good with that too. So, <laughs> right. Do you think you would ever go back to doing that? Like at some point, um, or I feel like with the coaching uh, too, like you're kind of in it for the long haul. Like it's like, yeah, you can be a coach. So you're like, 
80, you know? Yeah, <laughs> truly he's said that to me before and I'm like, God, no. <laughs> um, Could you imagine yourself bopping around at 75? You're like, dude, well, we, actually, we, be done <laughs> we actually already discussed this and we're like, when it gets close to that time, like the last five years, I'm like, let's go find like a teeny tiny team in like middle of nowhere, Italy and just go like live. You know what I mean? Like we're like, says the same thing. Like he's like, I would love to just spend my last season in like the Dolomite mountains in Italy and enjoy, you know, yeah. the last hurrah. Yeah. That's kind of our plan. But, um, I it's, it's interesting in my line of work. I don't have, like, I have a marketing degree, but that's not really like a skill, right? Like I don't have like a, um, like a certificate or I don't know, you know what I mean? I don't have like, I'm just like good at marketing things. I don't know. Um, but it's been now at this point, uh, over 10 years, gosh, it's probably, yeah, it's been 10 years since I last worked in that industry. And, um, it's changed so much, right? Like when I graduated college, we had one job or we had one class, um, about social media and it was like intro to YouTube, you know, now I'm sure if you get a marketing degree, like there's, I'm sure a whole course load of social media marketing that I am just not privy to. Like I did not get that information. Um, (laughs) so I'm very aware of the fact that if I ever went back into that industry, I'd have a lot to learn. Um, so I don't know. I, now that we're back in North America, it's definitely easier for me to work. Um, but it's hard. It's definitely hard for women who leave their jobs, you know, for a decade to then try to find some form of role that's satisfying and worth it to like leave the home. And, um, so we'll see, I'm, I might go back into something. I would love to work. I loved working. Um, I have little things, you know, little projects I do now, but, I'm not sure if I'll ever go back into, you know, sports marketing, especially it's so time consuming and already being in hockey. I think that would just be very challenging. So (laughs) sure. And I think it's like, it's so like, it's confusing because I think people feel very alone in that feeling of like, I don't know what I want to do. And like, I haven't worked in so many years, but like I need to, because there's such a big transition. If your spouse doesn't go into something with hockey that like, that's their whole identity. And obviously this is something like I've talked about on the podcast a lot, but I can relate to that because I haven't worked in in 10 years. I've never had this like career um, that I've ever, this career path that I've ever really been able to like dive into and do. And so I think it is super overwhelming because it's so oversaturated. I feel like just in this day and age with like every single thing that you can do that you can, like I'll even look at job descriptions online and I'm like, I don't even know what half of this stuff is. And I, I have a marketing background too. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, how am I supposed to just, I mean, I feel it's, it's a little intimidating to think of even going into a job interview. It definitely is. I think it's always something that's on my mind, especially as the kids get older, they're both in school now. Um, But I also, I am not a very prideful person. So like, I was looking at like, I'm like, well, I could just like work a shift at Target. Like, do they get a do they give like a discount? Cause like, that'd be pretty sweet. If I could get yeah. <laughs> you won't bring a paycheck home because you'll be buying stuff every shift. You know, but I'm like, I'm good. I don't care. Like I, right. I have time. I might as well get paid for it and then maybe totally. get a discount somewhere. <laughs> totally. And if you're fortunate to not even have to work too, it's like, that's right. like to be able to be home with your kids living in a place that's amazing. And hopefully you guys can be there, you know, long-term like that's like, that's the dream, you know? Yeah. 
Which that is something we thought about a lot before making this transition, because I was concerned about that. I grew up in a house where both of my parents worked. Um, It was very important to our identity kind of as a family. And it scared me to not to give that up. And I was very aware of the fact that the second I step away from this career, it is going to be very hard for me to get back into it. Um, And so that's something, you know, we definitely talked a lot about, you know, it's a sacrifice. So I don't know, I'm with all the all the significant others who have to sacrifice that it's, it's challenging. Totally. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to just dive into this question. You go girl. Okay. What is your take on coaches, wives being friends with players, wives? Yeah. I love it. Um, I literally love it. I, I, uh, have a strong opinion and I can kind of go back through my hockey journey on this, but I, First of all, I want to say I'm not speaking broadly on this topic. I'm not speaking for all coaches' wives because everybody is so different. Um, This is my personal experience with this, and my experience is definitely going to be different than the next person's. When I became a coach's wife, I was 26, and we moved to Munich, and I didn't speak the language. I didn't have a job, and my husband was at the rink all the time. Um, I was very alone. And I had never traveled abroad. I had never lived abroad. It was quite overwhelming. Um, and I, a couple things happened that were very informative in those moments. The first thing was um, Don's wife, Nancy, the head coach's wife. I watched her in the room after the games. And she was always so gracious to the players' wives. She knew their names. She knew their kids' names. She asked about, you know, oh, how's your mom doing? Like, she was in tune with these women. And I really respected that. And then the other thing, I I just truly, I've always been somebody as a Midwesterner, I never wanted to like make anyone feel uncomfortable. So I never wanted to be at first the person that was like inserting myself into the player's wives group. However, there was a, a wives dinner that happened early that season in Munich. And one of the wives just texted me and was like, Hey, I know you're here by yourself. Do you want to come with, with us? We're going to dinner. Um, And I was like, absolutely. Like, thank you for inviting me. Right. I was so gracious. Now I'm an assistant coach's wife at this time. So it's a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was so, I mean, I could almost cry thinking about it because I was so lonely and I had no kids at the time. And um, it just truly changed the trajectory of my experience um, as a coach's wife and in Munich, that simple invitation And you know what? I might've said no, I could have, if I was uncomfortable, I could have said no. But the fact that she thought to include me, that is something I will never, ever forget. Um, And, you know, we had a great time in Munich. Like we started, I really leaned on some of those friendships and those relationships first without kids. I, you know, just got to know some of the women and some of their experiences and, and overseas, a lot of the women are more towards the tail end of their career. So it's really valuable, you know, the information and the stories are fun. And um, it's just like, it's a cool kind of experience hearing from them. But then the next season I was pregnant and I didn't know what to do. And I had questions and who am I going to ask my like German neighbor that never speaks to me? You know, (laughs) no, I'm going to ask the wags, right? I'm going to ask the wives and girlfriends in the room. Like, what what do I do? What gynecologist do I use? Um, Did you deliver here? This was before, you know, these Facebook groups and these support groups that you've now created. So I had to be friends with them because they were my only lifeline, right? And then the next year I have a newborn and I'm feeling very isolated and I'm feeling very 
unsure of myself. He didn't sleep very well. I was having issues with breastfeeding and I don't, you know, are there breastfeeding consultants in Munich? I didn't know. Um, so I had women to lean on and they were all players, wives and coaches, wives that really created my community. So without those relationships, I, I'm not sure what I would have done. So I fully, and I will, you know, go to my grave saying this, I fully, fully support a player and wife, um, friendship. And I think it's possible. Um, and I think it's valuable. I don't think it has to happen. If it makes you uncomfortable, you know, don't participate in it. However, I am big in inclusion and like, what does it hurt to just include somebody? Um, you know, and I think my, I think like in the back of your head, you have like the, well, what if, and what are they going to think? And you have these negative thoughts, but at the end of the day, we're all just people. We're all just human beings going through this experience, the shared experience together. Um, and I think when you approach it like that, like these are just women, these are just people that are experiencing the same thing, you know, it creates a community. And I think it's just, it's very, very important. Um, I don't know. I, I just, I was always a big fan of the inclusivity and then just it was so important in my life. And like some of these women are so near and dear to my heart. And, uh, I, and then, you know, as I had more kids and as my kids got older, it, it changed, right? Like it's changed throughout our career. And, uh, it's almost right now. It's like hard to avoid because or in Salzburg, especially Mason was on the hockey team with the players, kids. Right. Yeah. And so like at tournaments together, he's getting invited to birthday parties, you know, we're going to be in each other's lives. So why why not? you know, it's like a lot of the time too, like there's so many like points you're making. I'm like, Oh my gosh, don't forget to ask her this. No, that's okay. There's you guys are over there. You speak English. You're from the same area. There's, there's a, a smooth communication. I mean, it's like, you need that when you are, when you're living abroad. And I think just full circle, whether you're abroad or not, I think a lot of coaches' wives feel like, well, like you touched on, like, well, what if there is something that's said that's a little bit iffy or whatever? And I don't know if you've ever been in that situation, but how would you navigate that? I suppose, say you're watching a game with a bunch of players' wives and someone's making a comment and you're starting to feel kind of uncomfortable and you don't really know what to say, maybe not directly to you, but just in general, like, for a, another coach's wife that might be listening, like what advice would you give to kind of handling that situation and maybe setting somewhat of a boundary? So it's kind of clear, like, yeah, how to, how to go down that road, I guess. So I'm big into boundaries. I think that makes the friendships work. Um, I think I've always set clear boundaries, whether they're spoken or unspoken. I think it's pretty, um, my boundaries are pretty clear. In Munich, it was interesting. The players, players' wives and the coaches' wives sat, sat separately. So there was really no awkwardness during the games. Um, in Salzburg, it was different because in Salzburg was when COVID hit. And so they had us all, we started separate, but then it was like, no, you guys all need to be together. Honestly, it was better for my kids anyway, because they just wanted to like play um, the whole time during games with the kids. Like they don't actually watch the games. Yeah, um, And so... I spent three years in the family room with players, wives and players, kids in Salzburg. And there's a couple things. The first thing 
I don't know enough about hockey to be like, oh, your husband didn't do that play. I literally have no idea. I'm, I'm the crazy person that's like, good job, everybody. Let's just have fun. Um, And the second thing is I feel like I've never in a game heard a comment, um, that I've been like, Ooh, that was kind of hurtful to me or hurtful to Matt. I've that's never happened. And Mm -hmm. so I think that maybe it's just the maturity of the women that I was with. Um, you know, a a lot of them have been doing this a long time. Um, you know, we were, I mean, to be totally honest, a lot of the times we're not fully actively watching the games anyway, we're Uh, that's, that's, you don't have to feel (laughs) bad about that. Like I, if I'm lucky, if I can catch a 10 second straight, straight thought of watching the ice before someone's jumping off and about to crack their head open. So, but truly I feel like, um, so I, I just feel like with the people that I've been around, they've been very respectful of me and I appreciate that, but I'm also like not paying fully attention either. I've got two kids, they're running around. I'm not fully actively watching the game. Now there are some times where I am fully actively watching the game, um, in Salzburg, especially when we would be in the playoffs or we're going deep in a playoff run. Um, and I, it was fun. Like we had a good time. We, we truly leaned on each other because so many of those games were stressful. And, and I was with a group of women that cared, which was cool. Like there are sometimes, you know, they don't care. Like we're just here to have fun, which I I'm also like, I can jive with that too. But those years in Salzburg, like you just were with women who like, they were in it to win it. Mm -hmm. And we were like cheering when they scored, we're high-fiving, we're embarrassing ourselves, like whatever. We're having fun. Like Kelly Lamaru was awesome at that facility. You know, she really cultivated this team and celebrating. And then it made it fun for the kids too. So like they started to watch because they would get excited for the goals. Um, We really made it a positive thing. So I think that is kind of what's important. Um, When you're watching a game and a coach's wife is around, just kind of being respectful and aware of that. But also if you're just a naturally positive person, you're not going to be like, oh, he messed up that power play. I mean, I don't even really know. Like, I don't know what to even say. (laughs) Well, also like, it's like funny because it's not like, I mean, yeah, like your husband obviously comes home and probably like says things to you. Like if he's had a hard time or he's not sure how to navigate a situation and like, but it's the same for the players. Why, or, you know, like your husband might be coming home and talking about like, everybody has little things throughout the season that they have to work through. But like, I feel like that's just like kind of a clear, like, duh, that you wouldn't go say that to the person or say it when they're around. It's like kind of like a respect thing. And so I feel like a lot of the worries of like the, the coaches wives and the players wives, like clashing, like they're just like, thought out things that would never even happen. Like I'm sure never here, happen. like, yeah, I'm sure people have had experiences where they're like, Ooh, like that maybe it's that person specifically, but I would say overall, like I've never been in a room where someone is like blatantly making things super uncomfortable around a coach's wife. Like, no. I just think it's, I agree. Yeah. And maybe I've been lucky. Um, and I, I truly am blessed with the group of women that I've been surrounded. They're some of the most supportive. I've never had drama. I've never been put in an uncomfortable situation, but we're all adults. We're all adults. So I feel like, um, you know, going into it, that expectation, just treat people like you would want to be treated. But I do feel like we also just 
we were a team, the wives, especially. And when we were at the games, we were cheering them on. We were positive. We were having fun. Um, you know, we were, gosh, I mean, it's, it's embarrassing, not embarrassing, but it's like funny to look back on it. Last year we were in the finals and, um, with a chance to win it in game five and it went into triple overtime and all the moms are there. All the kids are there. And we're like clinging to each other. We're like, I mean, triple overtime women's like, uh, Apple watches, their heart rates were going off the, you know, they're going we're like physically holding each other up. You know, we are physically, literally supporting each other. Um, you know, and I think that is more important I, than bad mouthing. We would ne- I would never expect someone to be like, oh, you know, he sucks. Like, why is he not in? What is he doing? Not putting him in? It's like, you don't like, it's just don't yeah. even, you can think it if you want, but like that just, yeah, like it doesn't happen. And really, if you're in a hockey rink, you shouldn't be saying those things anyway, because you just don't know who's around. Never you know. don't know if there's yeah. a reporter around. You don't know if the GM's around the GM's wife. There are so many people, the world, the hockey world is so small. I feel like if you are acting like that in a hockey rink, then you are probably going to have a short-lived career in the hockey world, like as it is, just because you shouldn't be acting like that anyway. You should be respectful. I did want to touch though. You you mentioned like when Matt comes home or like when the players come home, they might say something. So I we do have clear boundaries, and this is something that we've had from the beginning of our relationship. And and we Matt and I, and we set this expectation early when I was lonely and I needed friends, and I started hanging out with the players' wives. It was kind of twofold. Um, I didn't want to know what was happening at the rink. I, in order for me to have friendships with these women, I didn't want to hear anything about their husbands. I don't want to know. Um, it's not that I don't care. I just wanted to make sure that I could have a normal friendship with these people. So Matt, and then the second, the second part of that is so much of our life is about hockey. When you come home at the end of the day, I don't want to talk about hockey. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We have a pretty um, clear boundary in our marriage where we don't talk about hockey. If we do, it's broad. It's, you know, was, was it a good day? Great. You're tired. You did a lot of video, this and that. Um, But we very, very rarely get into the specifics. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe that's why I I just don't know what's going on. Truly. I, someone could be like, oh, so-and-so's hurt. And I'm like, he is like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So that is something I think that's very helpful for coaches. And this is my experience. Some coaches' wives might not like that. They might want to know everything that's going on in that locker room. They might want to know everything that's happening with their husbands. For my family and for my life, it was very important that what happens at the rink, it stays at the rink. And then what happens at home, this is our family life and this is our home life. So I can go to girls' dinners so we can have a normal, you know, family dinner as well that we're not just talking about hockey the whole time. Um, I like that. I think that's really cool that you guys do that and you're able to like separate that because obviously you're in it for the long haul with this and like you have to find your normalcy in this unnormal world that we're all living in. So like, that's really cool that you guys are able to like yeah. And it's important. Like I always tell him, sorry, my son has bunk beds. So I'm like, trying to, like, <laughs> I'm in my son's like weird room. Cause it's the small <laughs> the brain. Anyway. <laughs> um, you know, and I just, uh, I, I always try to remind him I have a life too. I know that we're here and in your life, 
really impacts our life as a family. Your career really impacts our life as a family, but I have a life too. And I need to have a good experience and it needs to be more than hockey. Um, I love hockey. I'm grateful for hockey. It's given us a beautiful life, but there needs to be some kind of a separation. And that has really helped our marriage. That's helped our family. That's helped, um, you know, my life. It really has made an, uh, an impact. So I think that was really important. Um, and then the other thing too, Matt really, um, if you've ever had a conversation with him, he really takes the mental aspect of playing sports seriously. He likes to have the deep conversations. He likes to go like deep with the players on a mental aspect. And I think he really also treats that as like a, um, like a client privilege. Like he would never repeat the conversations that he has to anyone, let alone me. Um, to him, that's personal, that's private things that happen at the rink. He really respects the players and their personal issues. And it's just not ever something that we, he would come home and be like, guess what so-and-so said today? Like that would never happen. So that's amazing. I don't know, just some boundaries we put into place that have helped. How do you deal with the long hours of Mm. the coach's wife? Like, cause I, cause I've heard that like they come home and they have to watch videos, especially if there's like a, like in the AHL, the NHL, like there's back to, it's like Friday, Saturday night. Like that's a quick turnaround. And like, that's a lot put on mom. And like, how do you navigate that? Because I'm sure like you're, you're human. Like it's probably frustrating sometimes. Yeah. It's very challenging. This is the, this is very important to communicate. Um, and I'm sure all the coaches, wives listening will have a very similar experience to mine. Um, it is a lot of hours. And I say this to all of my players, wives who are friends of mine. I say, play as long as their body will let them play as long as you can, because there is no other job that you will ever do that has a schedule, like being a professional athlete. Um, I know you got the players put time and dedication into their craft as well, but I don't think player players are always like, yeah, when I retire, I'll be a coach. And I don't think they realize the time expectation because it's, it's large. Um, the time commitment is huge. So a typical day for us, Matt, um, likes to be at the rink by five in the morning. He, he, yeah. (laughs) Hold on PM, like for the game, like no, No. in the morning, (laughs) five o'clock in the morning is when he likes to be there. So like we live about 20 minutes from the rink here. So he's up at four 30. He's like out the door to the rink, um, on most days. So last night they had a game. And so he pushed it back to like a five 30 wake up this morning. (laughs) (laughs) Now, this is my husband because he really thinks better in the morning. He thinks clear in the morning. He's definitely more of a morning person. For him, he likes to get in before anybody else gets in. Um, He likes to do his video in peace. He likes to have that time to really um, get organized and, and do everything before everybody comes in and starts pulling him in different directions. So then, you know, practice, he's got meetings. Um, Sometimes he'll work on video after practice and he's usually done for the day by like four ish in the afternoon, sometimes five. So it is a pretty long haul. Um, You know, however, then he's home all all night, all afternoon with the kids. So that's nice. Um, But the the time commitment is large. Um, And I know some coaches do something different where they'll maybe get in later and then they do video like late into the night. That's just not what we do. We kind of do it the reverse. But um, 
Yeah. The time commitment. I think people don't realize how much preparation goes into every practice and every game. I mean, and especially if you're detail oriented, like he is, um, he, he breaks down every, he looks at every little angle and every little thing, you know, and it really takes time to, to do these things and to do them well. So on winning teams, it's like, that's what goes into, there's so much that goes on behind the scenes. I feel like in order to get to that point. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, the, the reverse of that is all summer he has off and he gets to spend that with the kids while they're off. And what a blessing because most normal jobs don't have that kind of leeway. Um, so I am very aware of the fact that yes, he puts in a ton of hours, um, to provide for our families. And yes, it can be very frustrating because the hours are long. Um, but the reverse of that is we really get this quality time together in the summer, mm-hmm. which is nice. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, that's a good way. That's a very positive, good way to look at it. Like if you're having a hard time, it's like, Hey, <laughs> it could be the yeah. other way around. Like this could be like this 365, you know? So, well, and something else that we, we are very equal in our marriage. Um, if he doesn't have a game, he's doing bedtime. Like that's just our rule. If you are in this house, you're doing bedtime. I will be in my room. I will be in the shower. I will be out. If you are home, you're doing bedtime. Um, and that's just something that we, you know, it's very much a shared responsibility. If you're home, you're not just like sitting on the couch, you know, chilling, like you're an active participant in this family and he does a great job with that. Um, you know, he wants to, too. He wants to do bedtime. He wants to go take the kids to the park. So like, I'm lucky in that sense that when he is at the rink, he's giving a hundred percent, but when he's in this house, he's also giving a hundred percent. Um, so I'm thankful for that. And that, and then the summer, it's the same way in the summer. It's like, no, you can do bedtime every night. Like maybe I'll, maybe I'll do bedtime once, but like, <laughs> right. Totally. No, I'm the you're, same. I'm like, you're here, you're doing the baths and yeah. everything. Well, I decompress from <laughs> yeah. the day. Well, and like, you can be the, um, you know, you can be the priority parent or whatever that term is when you're home because you should be, and your kids deserve that. And you, you deserve that time. And he really does enjoy it. And I'm glad we've done that ever since the kids were babies, um, and just kind of had this shared partnership. So I think that's important too, because then it's just, yeah, it's more equal and it's positive for everybody, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, we could complain about the time spent and we could complain about the hours, but truly I'm grateful for what this life has provided us and the experiences that, you know, my children have gotten to have. So it's like everybody works long hours, right? You know, totally. No, I love that. I think that's a really good perspective to have, because I think it is easy to get into that tit for tat cycle. Like, well, I'm doing this and I'm here with the kids. Like, I mean, I for sure get in that sometimes where I'm like, yeah. You know, like you're gone and then you come home and you're tired, but like, I'm tired because I've been here with the kids. So it's like, it's a good way to like reframe your mindset and to like have more of a outlook on it of the bigger picture of like, okay, but I do get this. I do get the off season. You, you are home, you know, by one o'clock and then you have the rest of the day off besides. So, and it's like, it's true. Like, yes, it's a very weird, non-consistent schedule, which can be hard, but at the same time, like if overall, that's like a pretty good schedule to have, especially when you have kids that are home all day, you know? Yeah. And I grew up, um, my dad was a coach as well. He was just a high school coach, but, and and a teacher, but you know, he coached three sports. He was 
at the school all the time. You know, he had late nights and, but then in the summer he had the time off with, and that was like my, my best memories are mm-hmm. with my dad in the summer, like all summer he'd be with us. And like, truly I think about that with my kids, like yeah. what a blessing, but you know, that they're going to have these. That. Absolutely. Absolutely. They're going to remember that. And they're off school, you know? So the other day we were, um, he texted me and he's like, where are you guys? And we had gone from school to dance to soccer practice. I was like, we're not home. You know, so it's like, honestly, now that the kids are getting older, it's not like we can just hang out at home anyway. You know, we've got stuff to do. Like, (laughs) we've got practice to get to. You enjoy this time, buddy. We'll be back. (laughs) Have have your downtime while we're gone. (laughs) No, I'm like, make sure that the dishes are done and the garbage is done by the time I get. (laughs) Yeah, don't be sitting there. You have work to do. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's funny. Okay. Mm -hmm. I have a a question that somebody asked that I thought Mm -hmm. was a great question that. I don't think I've asked specifically before with coaches wives. Sometimes there is a large age gap. They mm-hmm. can be 20 up to in their seventies. Players wives can be 18 up to forties. Mm-hmm. How do you handle large age gaps? Like, for example, I mean, you're, I, w- I would say you're considered like more of a younger coach's wife, but Thank you. <laughs> yes, but at the same time, there are also, I'm sure players wives that are probably like 18, which you're big on community and inclusion. So how do you, how do you navigate that? Yeah. So I've seen both ends of the, the spectrum at this point. Um, when I started, I was 26. Um, the other coaches wives were, you know, like my mom's age. And, um, and that at first, you know, you get in your head, right. You get in your head and is this going to be uncomfortable? Is this going to be weird? But I feel like I would always think what's more important, having a friend or like being a little uncomfortable, right? Like what's more important staying at home because we're worried about this or, you know, Mm -hmm. going and like offering to go to dinner with somebody and like having a conversation. And to me, it was more important to have that community. Um, I took a lot of lead from the coaches' wives in Munich. And I just feel like, again, as an adult, I feel like an age gap, I don't know, you can learn from each other. Like you can still, I mean, I really, really enjoyed hanging out with um, Nancy and then Kim Dallaire was the other one there that we also had an age gap. Kim is funny because- I fell right in between, you know, she was in, I don't know, her like forties and then her daughter was like 15 and I was like right in the middle of them. I'm like, I don't know who I'm friends with. Am I friends with a 15 year old or am I friends with the mom? Like, I don't know. I am 15. (laughs) Obviously knows memes. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, wait, yeah, exactly. And so truly that was an interesting time because I was like, I don't know where I fall into this, but it didn't matter because it was all just, we all would hang out together and we would all get dinner together and we'd have an enjoyable experience. And Uh, you know, Nancy would tell us great stories and, you know, Sarah Kim, the daughter would tell great stories. Like I, I went to like an Imagine Dragons concert with her one time. I'm like, am I your chaperone? Are we friends? I don't know what's (laughs) happening, but we're going to have a good time. Right. And as I've grown and as I've gone throughout this, you have the different age gaps, but I just, I go back to like, always make the invitation. It doesn't matter 
It does not matter. Always include everybody, no matter what their age is. The worst they can say is no. And truly, if they're feeling uncomfortable and they want to say no, then that's their choice. But it never, ever, ever hurts to include everybody, no matter what their age is. Um, And I just think always, if you're going to do something in a group like that, when it's just the women, um, it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt, you know, to invite everybody. And I think that is what I, that was, that's kind of my golden rule. Um, now we're in the AHL. We're on a very young team, like very, these people, they are very young. And you're I in like, a different stage of life. Like you have three older kids now, like you've got your own stuff going on. So you have less time to like focus on that probably as you did when you were like, maybe had one kid and like yes. living abroad and you needed that support system more so yes. like, you know. I'm, it is totally different now. Um, however, we're still all of this together, you know, um, to quote high school musical, we're all in this together. Um, (laughs) it's going to be stuck in my head the rest of the day. (laughs) That's going to age me a little bit. Um, but you know, I like walk into the, the significant others, the family room in San Diego, and these girls are just all gorgeous and young and like bright eyed and just like, you can tell they haven't been like weathered by the hockey life yet. (laughs) It's <laughs> all like weathered by the storm. They're just so happy to be there and they're so cute. Um, but even then I'm trying, you know, and, and my life is different here. We're busy. My son's in travel hockey. He's got soccer every weekend, my daughter's in, in stuff. So it is harder to find those moments, I think, here. Um, and now that my kids are getting older, it is harder to find those moments of group outings. But we are still doing stuff together. We're still talking at games. We actually just planned a girl's night for when the guys are gone on a road trip. Um, and we're including everybody, you know, you, that's just always been my role. If they're going to be at the rink, if they're going to be at the games, um, if if they're on the coaching staff, if they're on the team, or even if they're on the support staff, like we had a couple of physios in Salzburg whose families always came to the game. They had two daughters, our age, you know, their wife was always at the game and, why not include her too? Right. Like she went, we're hanging out together anyway. Why not? Um, that's always my question. Why wouldn't we include everybody? Um, so here's, so this is like, cause I hear both sides of it and it's like, I can totally see everybody's different perspectives of this entire thing. I'm with you. I 100% think it should be all inclusive, but I think where it's gray is like that some pe- times people they'll start off on a team where it's not that way. And then it'll go to a team where it is that way, or it's unclear. So and then it's like, maybe not, maybe it is. Do we include, do we not? Who do we yeah. so like from, I guess from my, this is how my thought process works because I've gotten close with some of the coaches wise on the team. Like when I was in Idaho, like the assistant coach's wife was like one of my bridesmaids. Like we were, you know, we worked together at Lulu. So it was like very unavoidable for us to just like. It would be weird for you not to be friends. Exactly. Right. So like, yeah, exactly. And like, just, but there is also teams where like I've been on where like the coach's wife is quite a bit older and like, we've never heard from her. So who's the one that takes that first initiation step? Because I feel like when you do have a coach's wife that is a little bit older, maybe like in her sixties, it, it feels like she should be the one setting the boundary, like the precedent at the beginning of the season. Like, Hey guys, I'm here. I would love to get to know you girls. If anyone wants to get lunch and maybe like reaching out a couple of times to let 
the players wives know that that's like an open line of like communication. Like I'm here for you. If you have questions, because I think there's that weird area where the players wives don't want to overstep and be like, do we include them? Do we not? Like, I don't, I've never even met them. Then it's halfway through the seat. You know what I'm trying to say? So like, it's just, I wish that it was said from the beginning from the coach's wife. And this is at the player's perspective and you'll have to let me know how you do things. Um, but I just think that would be so cool and so easy for people to understand like, Hey guys, I'm here. If you need anything, I'm probably not going to join in on any girls nights or group outings, but I would love to chat and catch up at the games. If that's your boundary or guys, I have young kids or I got to get them out. I know you have young kids too. Let's do park dates. Let's do this. So like everybody knows and is on the same page. So there's not this weird, like yeah. community, this weird, like gray area. Cause there doesn't need to be. Yeah, no, I agree. For me and in my experience, things have happened more organically. Like I, in Munich, it was, I never would have been the first one to reach out. I never would have been the one that was like, Hey, can I come? Never. Mm-hmm. Um, but someone just happened to be like, Hey, do you want to come with us? And that truly just opened the door. And that was a player's wife that did. And so that's where I feel like it can come from anybody. And I don't think it has to be formal. I don't think it has to be like, um, okay, everybody, like, let's get everyone's phone number and let's put it in a WhatsApp group and let's make sure we include everybody. I think it be, can be as casual as like, hey, you're planning a girl's night and you see him at the game and just say, hey, well, the guys are gone next week. We're going to go to dinner. Do you want to come with us? And then you kind of take your cue from there. If the older head coach's wife is like, no, that's okay. Like, thanks, you know, thanks for inviting me. Then that good. You invited that's her. Like, that's answer a little bit. That's great. Like, I I think it can be very more nonchalant. Um, but then if you do have a head coach's wife, like, how, I am different. Like this year, I was down in the family room. I could feel that people like didn't know what to do with me. They're like, you know, <laughs> she's like talking to us. And um, I and so I made it clear. I was like, hey, let's do well. First of all, I'm really big into like community community relations. And I think as women, we should be more involved on that aspect. And so that's what I said first. I was like, hey, I would love to plan some community relations, volunteer opportunities for the women. Um, would anyone be interested in doing that? And that's kind of how the conversation started in San Diego, at least. And then from there, we were like, hey, let's do a girls' night, let's go to dinner. Um you know, and so I think it can be more organic than just like setting that boundary. I think it could be just as simple. You don't, as a player's wife, you do not have to wait for like the coach's wife to come up to you because sometimes they're not going to be super outgoing. And sometimes, you know, they might not know, they might not speak English as a first language. You know, they might not, they might be insecure about something. They might be busy chasing kids and not realize that they haven't introduced themselves to you. Right. So I do think as a player's wife, I think it's so cool when players' wives come up to me and they're like, Hey, I'm so-and-so I'm so-and-so's wife. Just wanted to say hi, introduce myself. Like, I think that is, and, and typically I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I haven't introduced myself. Like my kids are going crazy. I'm trying to navigate all these things, but thank you so much for like treating me like a person, right? Like we're just people. Yeah. No matter the age gap, no matter the position in that environment, I think it can be more organic. And I think it's very acceptable and wonderful when the player's wives just kind of say something, you know, Mm -hmm. just, Hey, I'm so-and-so or, Hey, we're going to go get drinks after the game. Do you want to come with us? To be totally honest, most times the answer might be no. Right. Right. The inclusion is nice. And if the coach's wife continually says, no, that's okay. 
they're going to be like, no, it's cool. Like the thanks for inviting me if they're uncomfortable with it. Right. Like, like, it's like, okay, she's kind of hot. She hasn't reciprocated the, that kind of thing. So like, yeah. like we can talk and catch up at the games, but I don't yeah. think she wants to balls yeah. in her court balls in I her court. Good idea. I think, I think everybody just needs to stop putting so much pressure on this, yeah. of, of this whole, like thinking about this so much, like, and just let it, like you said, happen organically. Like if you're the kind of person, like, like, I feel like I like to organize like group things. Like I, I've always kind of been like that. So like, if I was in your position, like that might kind of be my stance on it. Like, Hey girls would love to get, get together maybe at the beginning of the season so that everybody can meet and you know, whatever. Yeah. But if that's not your jam, then just like let it happen organically and like let- well, and, and also put the ball in her court, right? If you're planning the group event, just be like, hey, we're doing this. You're more than welcome to come. We'd love to have you. And if they say no, thank you, then that's fine. That's their choice. If they're Absolutely. feeling uncomfortable or if their personal boundary is, you know, like I said, I'm not speaking for all coaches' wives here. It might be some coaches' wives' boundaries to not go out with the players' wives. And I think that's also fine. Absolutely. However, give them the opportunity to say no right? Mm-hmm. Why not give them that? Right. And don't forget most coaches wives were players wives at a certain point, you know? So like they, they're going to be cool. They're going to be fun. Like Get it. they're going to be in this, you know, together. So like, I don't know. I just, I feel like give them the opportunity to say no, um, is kind of how I approach that. Now. I also feel with the group outings and like with the boundaries, y- you know, if you Devin want to, have a rager with like your three besties and go party all night long until 2am. And like, you might be puking in a cab at the end of the night and you don't want the coach's wife to be around. Like that's also acceptable. Go do you like have a good time that I'm talking about like the big ones, like a Halloween party, you know? Um, and I'm also specifically speaking about the big get togethers that don't include the husbands because we have a personal boundary that like, if, for the most part, um, if the guys are going to be there, like Matt doesn't want to be there. And, and he is always thinking about the players. And for him, he's like, I want my players when they are able to have a good time. I want them to be able to have a good time. Right. I don't want them to be thinking about, Oh, my head coach is here. So I can't have a beer at like this Christmas party. Right. Okay. So I'm speaking specifically to when there's an event that's planned, that's like for the wives and kids, or even just a girl's dinner, a baby shower, something like, why not? You know, but of course we understand that there's going to be like little groups that do their own thing too. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be times when you guys get together as families and as couples, and that should be separate as well. So like, that's kind of my take on that. Yeah. I love that answer. And I think, yeah, I totally think it's like a both, like it's an open road, both ways. Is that the right term? Open. open it goes road. both ways. No, it goes both ways. And yeah. you know what? The situation last year, somebody, uh, what were they doing? They did something where the guys were going to be there and they did invite me. And I was like, I would love to come. We'd love to be there. But like, unfortunately, you know, Matt's yeah. just like wants to chill. And we typically do that for holidays. Like the coaches staff will get together for like Thanksgiving where like the players will all get together for Thanksgiving right. because they should be able to yeah. have a time with their significant others and not worry about like the people that they see every day at the rink being there too. You know what I mean? So totally. we tend to separate for that, um, that boundary set pretty early, but also we've been invited. People have been like, Hey, we're having people yeah, over for which feels good. Absolutely. And I'm like, Nope, thank you so much for the invitation, but like, we're good. We got our own thing. Yeah. So I don't know. 
I agree. Yeah. Like, but yeah, when we first got to Graz, like um, Mia Mason, Doug Mason's wife, like she Mm -hmm. was, she's older. I think she's maybe like 60. She like told when I first got there before I had met any of the girls, like we had pulled up at the rink, of course, like after this long travel day, we get to the, it's like, why are we going to the rink? I want to go to an apartment. But like (laughs) her and her husband there were there, like brought us dinner, like to our, to the van. I was like, oh my God, this is so nice. Like I've never like had that and then she was like can I have your number I'll text you tomorrow because Charlie had to leave the next day for a game and I was like having anxiety because I'm like where am I supposed to get like grocery like I don't even know where I am like I don't know where this is and she was like I'm gonna take you to the grocery store tomorrow and I'll give you like a lay of the land to the grocery store and like that way you can just kind of like know where certain things are and you can just grab some stuff and I was like oh my god okay so I she picked me up took me to the store, like showed me, okay, this is where like the meat is. This is where the cheese is. Like, it was just so nice. And like, just yeah. to be able to get there and have like an immediate connection. And then she was so sweet about just like, if you ever want to get coffee, like, so she opened that door. And even though obviously that was a big age gap, like it was like, it felt like comforting. Like it felt yeah. like she was like nurturing and like cared. And it was really, really nice to have. And like, I appreciated that so much. And so I think like you said, like, I think it's a good reminder to me to make sure to like extend that invitation when we do things like that. And I think vice versa, it's like reaching out when someone's like new to a team or like new to a country, like it's overwhelming when you get there and you have to do all these new things. So I think that's like, that sticks with you. Like those people that reach out and extend those invitations, like you don't forget things like that and you don't forget people like that. And you know, like that's a good person. And like, they took the time to make sure that I felt included in good. So, well, and to how did you, so did you feel any awkwardness? Did you feel any weirdness that she did that for you? No, zero. Like I appreciated it. And it was just, it was from the beginning. Like when I got there, it was just very clear that like, I'm happy to join and I'm, and I, and she had a hard time too. Cause she, she's, um, she's Dutch and Mm. she does speak Mm. German, but she, I mean, she's, there to not knowing a bunch of people. And so she wants those interactions and she has kids that are my age. So it was like, it just felt very like motherly, like, which was nice to have in that kind of situation. So, well, and so like to coaches wives who might be worried about that, they don't want to step on the player's wives. Like here's a perfect example of you as a player's wife, totally loving that interaction. Mm -hmm. And for me, I had the reverse. I was a coach's wife and I didn't know what to do. And I had a player's wife extend an invitation to a dinner and there was no awkwardness and there was no weirdness. And I am still so appreciative. So to the player's wives know that like, it is not weird. It is not awkward. We are not like the big bad wolves, Um, you know, in all of your interactions and all of your experiences in hockey, you know, you're probably never going to find a coach's wife who's going to be mean about that or who's going to be like weird about that, you know? So why not at least try that? That's just kind of, I don't know. And it, it it might not work for everybody. It might not work for all players or all coaches, but in my experience, it's only led to positive, um, to positive things. Like my husband preaches like the brotherhood, right? Like we're in a brotherhood and I preach the sisterhood. We are in a sisterhood together. And if you are not happy at home, you're probably not happy at the rink and you're probably not happy on the ice. So I'm like, why don't we make the women's lives just as enjoyable, right? It's only going to help everything. The women are happy. The men are happy. Good hockey is being played. Yeah. (laughs) I truly, truly believe this. 
I truly believe that, you know, when we are together and we are one team, we are all in this together. Um, you don't ever have to focus on the negatives because we're adults and we don't have to be weird and awkward toward each other. We can treat each other like equals and like adults. Um, we can have that respect toward each other and we can navigate it in a way where it's just positive. Right. And if you do have those negative interactions, you know, learn from it, um, set a boundary, maybe realize there's certain people that you can keep at a distance, but still be polite to. Um, but for the most part, like I said, in my tenure of being a coach's wife, I think I've only had one, maybe two comments that have been made that I was like, oh, that's, that's a little borderline, you know, right. <laughs> like, right. But that's over the experience of 10 years, right? Totally. Two times in 10 years. Those are pretty good odds, mm-hmm. you know, and it's only enriched my life. It's only enriched my kids' lives. And, you know, by that, it's only made my husband's life better too, because we're all happy at home. So totally. totally. <laughs> I love that. Well, on that note, do you have any other takeaways that you would like to share? You know, I, I did have someone reach out and they were like, they're in with a team where it's very separate, which I've never experienced this. Like the wives room is separate. The coach's wives room is separate from the player's wives room. Um, they're an expat and, you know, the head coach's wife isn't really doing anything to facilitate. And I just feel like I, if I was in that position, I wouldn't wait around for someone to invite me to something. I would go ask somebody, I would go say, Hey, do you want to go get coffee? You know, and that might not be easy, but Um, if you're in a situation where it is very separate or you're feeling very lonely or you're not sure what to do, I just feel like it doesn't hurt to just go ask somebody if they want to hang out or, Hey, can my, our kids get together at the park? Right. It just, and and we don't think that's weird either. Like that is like, Oh oh my gosh, I would love to like, yes, let's do it. It kind of just reminds me of a point too, just because I do have a lot of, um, staff, uh, partners that follow me that are mm-hmm. equipment managers, wives, mm-hmm. or I think it's really opened my eyes to, oh yeah, like they're just as much going through this too. Because I think when I was younger, like when I was 21, when we met, I mean, I wasn't the one that was like, let's, let me get the, you know, equipment manager, which he didn't have anyone, but like, it's just like, let me get her number. Like, I just didn't even think of it. Yeah. And so I appreciate them saying that. Cause I'm like, you're so right. Cause you're so much going through this at the same time. So I think because a lot of them say like the players wives never invite me to anything. And like, it's just, I'm so lonely. There's, there would be no harm in them saying that to us too. Like, Hey, I would love to join you because it's like, Oh my God, of course. Like it's just, everybody just needs to be like open and communicate yeah. instead of like having these internal, like feelings of like this person's not inviting or this. I've also learned that like, to me, a pretty good indicator is, are they at the games? Are they yeah. at the games? Are they bringing their kids to the games? Because if they're at the games, you know, I find that the women who they've got their own stuff going on, they've got a career in whatever town they're in, they've got family here, you know, they're busy or they maybe don't, not that they don't need us, but they don't need that community. They're not at the games. They're not at every game. Right. If they're at every game, their kids are at every game with them, include them, right? right? Like they're looking for this community too. They're happy to be here. They're supporting. And that brings me to the point of like playoff gear, which I know this is something that upsets me when I hear from other coaches' wives of like the players all did playoff sweatshirts and we weren't included. Right. Like that breaks my heart. 
always include this. If they're at the games, you're all cheering for the same thing. You yeah. all, you're all going to be on the ice at the end of the season. If they win, you all better be in matching sweatshirts, right? Every single person who will be able to be on the ice. If you win, should it be wearing the same thing? <laughs> if they want, they don't have to, totally but if they want. so that I always, if they're at the games, if their kids are at the games, throw them in that group chat for the big events, throw them in the group chat for playoff gear, because Truly, when you roll into a game 30 deep, all wearing the same stuff and like you see that sisterhood, it's cool. Yeah. Right. It's a cool experience. You're all in this together. I don't know. I just, I'm so thankful for our life. I'm so, I also am not naive to know that I have a unique experience because of the women that have been in my life. Uh I have some of the best that have been with me through this career, like this tenure, um, players' lives coaches, wives who will be lifelong friends. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not naive to know that that's maybe not always the situation, yeah. but, uh, but it might be. And how do you know if you don't ask, right? Like you might be missing out on a beautiful friendship. Yeah. Well, I love your perspective and I love just hearing all about, <laughs> Sorry, your- I talk a lot. <laughs> oh my gosh. Are you kidding? That's, I mean, like, that's what I want. I'd rather you talk a lot than me have to, you know, yeah, pull it out of me. Yeah, this pull it out. The, if anybody's ever gone on a, a girls' night with me, a player's life, they'll be like, "Oh yeah, get a couple margaritas." And Megan, she'll never stop. <laughs> well, I feel like I've known you like forever. Like I feel oh, like you're like an old friend. So this was a really nice conversation to have, and just to get to know you more. Obviously, we've chatted over Instagram, but nice to be yeah. able to talk to you face to face. And yeah, Thank I'm super- no, I think. It was great finally getting to kind of have this interaction with you. And I, I am grateful for what you're doing in the hockey community because it is important to find the good, right. And, and the blessings. And, you know, like I said, we are just all so lucky to live this life and to get to do it together. And I think it's cool that you're bringing people together like this. I think it's important. Thank you. Well, I'm super excited for this episode. Yay. Me too.